Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Iron Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Ashley, and today we are going to cover all about FODMAP diets. Um, I know we covered in the last two episodes we did, we covered the anatomy and physiology of digestion overall. Um, And then the last episode, if you guys missed it, um, I went into why elimination diets may not actually help your uh, digestive symptoms, okay? And I want to dive into the low FODMAP diet specifically, uh, because this is one of the more popular ones uh, and one that a lot of people kind of start off with. Um, and they think that it's going to help them. So I kind of want to dive a little bit deeper into it, uh, explain what it is and explain, you know, why it may or may not be beneficial for you. Okay. So, you know, it's, the thing is, is that if you're having symptoms such as gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, irregularity, things like that, I would actually start um, by just keeping a food log and logging your symptoms. I know most of you guys probably track your macros anyways. Um, so a good thing would to be just alongside of that, um, add a note in there or just kind of keep a separate log and refer to the date um, in terms of what foods you're eating um, as well as what symptoms you're having and when they start, okay? Okay. Um, sometimes that can be indicative of kind of where along um, the line if um, you do have one of these more immediate symptoms, um, where along the lines things are happening. Is it in your stomach? Is it in your small intestine? Is it in your large intestine? And the amount of time that has passed since you ate the food um, can be indicative of where your symptoms are actually occurring from, okay, which does make a difference. But um, I'd also ensure that, you know, you're doing the basics, right? Drinking enough water throughout the day, but not around mealtime. You're managing your stress. You're thoroughly chewing your food. You're not slamming all your food at once. Um, especially, you know, a ton of fat, a ton of protein at once. A lot of people can't handle that. You're getting quality seven to nine hours of sleep, all the basic things, right? Cause no matter what you do, if you're not doing the basics, you won't get anywhere, um, with trying to heal your gut. Um, and nothing that you try is truly, truly, truly going to help. Okay. Even if you are doing all the right things, you are trying to, you know, really get to the root cause of the problem and address that. If you continue to um, not sleep, stress too much, things like that, you're not helping yourself and you're really, really never going to heal. Okay. Um, stress is huge. That's like the biggest one, right? Go back to the gut brain axis um, and how closely tied your stomach and, you know, your digestive system and your brain and your nervous system system, um, are tied. Okay. Very, very, very close. Okay. So if you're, if you're doing all that, you're addressing, you know, and doing the best you can by having good, healthy habits around eating, uh, and you're still having issues, you may want to try a low FODMAP diet. And let's kind of go over what this is. So this diet was created for people with IBS to help manage their symptoms. But we know IBS, irritable irritable bowel syndrome, is a blanket diagnosis um, given when they pretty much can't figure out what's causing the issue, Uh, which is why I kind of recommend more comprehensive testing when it does come to your digestive health uh, because you can't find these issues um, on an endoscopy or on a colonoscopy, which is exactly what 
your physician's going to do, okay? They don't, these tests just can't tell you what your microbiome looks like. Uh, It can't tell you if you have any additional pathogens. It only really tells you if you have any abnormalities in your large intestine or your rectum. And you know that symptoms like stress and other things are causing the inflammation. We just don't know what exactly is. So if your GI issues are causing more stress, which is further causing more GI issues, it ends up being this like never ending cycle. And things like foods can cause stress and inflammation. Things like pathogens can cause stress and inflammation. And so if you're not identifying the root cause, but you're looking for just some kind of like terminal or like end issue, um, which would be identified on something like a colonoscopy, um, then, you know, it's, it's almost kind of too little too late. And then you're just doing things like trying to throw band-aids, um, and throw pills at symptoms as opposed to addressing the root cause, right? So in comes the low FODMAP diet. If you've been given a diagnosis of IBS, your uh, provider has probably said, why don't we try a low FODMAP diet? And I'm sure you've seen this um, all over, you know, on the internet and things like that. And we know that certain foods cause symptoms, right? So removing these foods can help reduce the symptoms. But as we know, not everybody can identify the specific foods that are causing the issues. So what they've done is they've identified these FODMAPs. And these FODMAPs are fermentable carbs that are known for causing the symptoms, such as gas, bloating, abdominal pain, all of that, okay? So FODMAPs stand for F, stands for fermentable. So these are carbs that are fermented by the bacteria instead of being broken down by our bodies. So some people tolerate these well, and other people it causes symptoms and as, as well because it increases the opportunistic bacteria because you're feeding them, right? Fermentable carbs are what our bacteria thrives off of, the good bacteria as well as the bad bacteria. So if you're feeding the bad bacteria, you're allowing them to thrive, okay? So that's where this kind of starts. O is for, (laughs) I'm gonna butcher all of these, you guys. Um, (laughs) Oligosaccharides, these are the short chain carbs which include fructanes and galactans. Fructans are fructose with a glucose molecule, and galactans are galactose with a fructose molecule. So these are things like wheat, rye, legumes, garlic, and onions. D is for disaccharide. So D meaning two, um, which is pairs of sugar molecules. Um, The most common one in this would be the milk sugar, which you guys know as lactose, okay? So any dairy products, yogurt, soft cheeses, those would be the disaccharides. M is for monosaccharides, mono meaning one, which is the simple or single sugar molecules. Uh, Things like uh, mangoes or sweeteners like honey, cane sugar, things like that, those are monosaccharides. And P is for polyols, which is the sugar alcohols. Things like xylitol, sorbitol, mannitol, and a lot of people have issues with these artificial sugars and sugar alcohols, especially when they're consumed a lot. So if you're consuming a lot of sugar-free products, sugar-free gum, um, sugar-free sweeteners, things like that, um, it causes a lot of issues. Why? Because it's not naturally found in foods in high amounts. So when you're 
putting all of this in your body in high amounts, it's causing, um, most of the time, um, a lot of diarrhea because your body gets rid of it and it's meant to go straight through you. Okay. Um, and if you suspect that you have uh, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, the way to get rid of this is to kind of starve them out, right? It's not a perfect science. Um, and the thing is, is that if you can kind of like reduce the FODMAPs, not eat them, not feed the good bacteria, the whole idea behind it is that they no longer can thrive and they kind of die off and they can't survive, right? Um, but the thing is, is that sometimes once you go back to eating the way you were and you introduce all these foods again, um, it comes back because it's not fully eradicated and you didn't find the actual cause, right? Like, why do we have SIBO in the first place? Why do we have this small intestinal bacteria overgrowth in the first place, right? So another issue is that any of these foods can actually be causing inflammation. Remember when I said that some um, symptoms wait to show up until like four days later. So if you ate some food four days ago and now you have a headache, right? That's not really going to be addressed on this at all. Um, oftentimes people eliminate these and they kind of feel somewhat better, but they're still having these other lingering symptoms. And it's because these foods are causing inflammation. They may not be like, you may no, no longer be feeding the bad bacteria, right? But that's not all of the issues that are likely going on. So again, it's a pretty generalized diet. It's not specific to you. Um, it only kind of addresses one cause um, and not really all of it, okay? And many times we can assume that you have other dysfunction on top of this because if you have SIBO, um, you, you don't have a healthy gut microbiome, right? We have overgrowth somewhere and we wanna make sure that we're identifying the root cause. Why do you have SIBO in the first place? Is it that you don't have enough HCL, hydrochloric acid, right? Your stomach is not acidic enough. Um, do you not have good enough bacteria? Are we managing the entire digestive tract and helping getting rid of like the things like the leaky gut, fortifying and restoring your gut microbiome, right? We have to do these things. It's not just eliminate these foods and then you're going to be fine and dandy for the rest of your life. No, you have to support everything. You have to make sure you're really covering all of your bases because otherwise all you're doing is kind of minimizing and trying to manage symptoms. Um, but it's going to be a never ending and very frustrating and long process, right? So with almost all but gut broke but <laughs> seems fitting, right? Um, gut protocols, there's going to be some form of elimination diet, right? Whether it be a low FODMAP diet, whether it be a specific carbohydrate diet, whether it be like a low solicitate um, diet or, you know, eliminating nightshades and things that are, you know, known to cause inflammation in people who have, um, you know, things like rheumatoid arthritis um, and inflammatory autoimmune diseases, right? All of these things. So there are so many types of specific elimination diets that are pretty generalized that kind of give people like a starting point. Um, but if you do it, you have to understand that you're not, this isn't specific to you. Um, and you may be having these symptoms and it may not be a small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, right? You may not have SIBO, but this is what this addresses. You may just have some sort of other pathogen or, you know, candida or a fungal overgrowth. I'm definitely going to do an entire podcast 
on Candida. Um, that one's coming up. I promise you, I have um, several clients right now um, who are are dealing with that, and that is that one's a little bitch to get rid of, to be honest with you. Um, so you may not even have SIBO. It may be something entirely different, but all of the symptoms present themselves very, very, very similarly. So it's you know it's just kind of like trying to throw things at the wall um, and seeing what sticks. So it's an inexpensive way. Um, Um, to really kind of treat your symptoms. Um, But is it the end all be all? It's not. Um, Not saying that like anything really is, but this is definitely one of the more generalized approaches um, and not necessarily specific to you. And the thing is, is that, you know, there are some downsides to this, right? If you don't have SIBO, IBS, FODMAPs are prebiotics, meaning they feed not only the bad bacteria, but they also feed the good bacteria. So you're also starving your good bacteria too. Um, And this is why we need to make sure we have enough fiber in our diet because that's what feeds the bacteria, right? All these prebiotics are actually fiber. And it also may be too restrictive, which is not necessary for everybody. There's foods on here that are healthy, that are beneficial, right? Like fruits, vegetables, garlic, all of these things have beneficial properties to them. Um, But, you know, by eliminating them, you're going to end up, you may unnecessarily um, be be missing out on that. And it's important to address, like I said, the underlying factors that are allowing the SIBO to kind of thrive to begin with. Um, Because if you're not addressing the underlying factors, then you're kind of just throwing things at the wall and hoping they stick. And while you may feel better in the beginning, um, the second you go back to eating normally, which most people do, you're going to end up right back where you started. Um, So is it a good starting place um, for somebody who is trying to do this on their own? Yes. Um, it definitely can be. Um, I'm not going to sit here and list all of the all the FODMAPs. Um, you can easily find a comprehensive list online um, about the foods that you should avoid, the foods that you should kind of um, stick to. And the easiest way to go about it is to really take a look at the foods you can eat and that are allowed um, and just put together some macros, put together um, some grocery lists with those foods on there. Um, And then just start to approach things with what you can do um, as opposed to from a more restrictive side, um, thinking about what you can't eat. Um, And this is what I tell all of my, my gut health clients too, is don't focus on the foods that you can't eat. Just focus on the things that you can. Um, And when you really look at it, um, there's a ton of reputable uh, resources online, um, as well as like food bloggers and things like that, that are going to give you and provide you like tasty recipes. Um, Other than, you know, that'll kind of give you ideas of what you can kind of pick and choose from too as well. Um, So you're not just looking at like this list of foods and being like, oh my God, I can't eat any of this. Like my life is over, (laughs) right? It's not over. Um, This is, you know, supposed to be temporary. It's not supposed to be um, the diet that you follow for the rest of your life. Um, But if you don't find the root cause and address the underlying issues um, that have, you know, 
allowed (laughs) your body to get SIBO in the first place, then you're really not truly um, going to ever fix the actual issue. And that's kind of what I want to hit home. Um, Is this something that I do recommend you try if you're having symptoms? Yeah, it absolutely can be beneficial. It may help you. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, I I kind of take the approach um, with a lot of things in my life that I'm I'm going to do things and I'm going to do them the right way the first time. Um, so, you know, when it came to my own digestive health and, and everything, when I had, you know, a GI doctor who looked at me like I had nine heads and told me there was nothing wrong with me, um, <laughs> when I clearly knew there was something wrong with me, um, I then found a way to, you know, figure out exactly what was going on um, in my own gut because I knew that, no, there may not have been anything on the imaging that they saw that identified something that was clearly wrong, um, but I knew that there was something wrong. And what was it? I didn't have enough, you know, I had a lot of stress in my life at one point didn't have enough hydrochloric acid. Um, I needed some digestive enzyme help. Um, my gallbladder was a little bit sluggish and, um, a lot of times these things are not going to show up on tests and, you know, especially your gallbladder, like unless you're having like a gallbladder attack, gallbladder stones, um, and you know, (laughs) like in, in, like literally, and you need, um, to get your gallbladder taken out. A lot of that stuff just kind of goes, um, and you kind of fly under the radar, but what it does is it, it allows, um, pathogens and other bacteria and things like that to, to actually survive and thrive, whereas they otherwise wouldn't with proper digestive function. So that's kind of what I'm really trying to hammer home here, um, is that you can try elimination diets. You can do them on your own. You can do something like a low FODMAP diet, Um, But if you're really not taking the time to address and figure out the underlying cause, then this is going to be a very long uphill journey for you until you really kind of figure out and kind of tackle things um, from a couple different directions, right? Um, And that's, that's really the most important thing. So yes, do I recommend a low FODMAP diet if you have you know, been told you have IBS, um, or you have these symptoms. Yeah, it may help and it may improve your quality of life. It may take away some of those symptoms. It may, you know, lead you to having some less stress in your life and on your body, which in turn may be, you know, that step in the right direction in order to, you know, start feeling much better, being less symptomatic, allowing you to kind of go about your day. Um, But just be aware that, you know, it may not be the right diet for you. You may unnecessarily be limiting um, some foods that you don't need to be. And you may be continuing to eat foods that are causing inflammation um, and that would not be identified unless you really, really tested it. So that's that's really um, kind of the whole point here. So all about low FODMAP diets. Again, if you're interested in it, just do a Google search. Um, there's like ibsdiets.org, which is a good one. Um, and there's some really good resources out there that will give you shopping lists that will tell you what to eat, what not to eat, um, rather than, you know, me sitting here and just kind of labeling, um, and kind of throwing everything out there, um, which, you know, isn't necessarily the best use of your time, but, um, is it something that I recommend? You may find it beneficial. Um, if you are having digestive symptoms, um, again, I 
do encourage you to go back and listen to that first episode. Um, learn more about your digestive tract. Learn about what you can do to optimize your digestive function um, without doing anything, like without spending any money, any tests, or any anything, because that's always the foundation of being able to help optimize your digestion as well as the first step in really taking um time to heal your overall digestive function, okay, um, and optimize and restore your gut microbiome. So that is it, you guys, all about low FODMAP diets. If you guys have any questions, concerns, anything, just shoot me a message over on Instagram. Um, you can find me at Megan Ashley Fitness. Um, if you guys haven't left a rating and a review, I would appreciate that. Um, screenshot, share, tag me, tell all your friends. Um, and if you guys are interested in taking a more comprehensive approach to helping fix your digestion, um, definitely, um, reach out to me. Um, there's a link in my bio to uh, book a call. Um, and that's definitely the best place to start. So we can kind of discuss kind of where you're at, what you're trying to do, um, and how, you know, I may be able to help you. Okay. So until next week, Happy freaking Monday, and I will talk to you guys soon.